0: Hey everybody, this is Craig Hostetler and I'd like to welcome you to the Black Sheep Experience. This is episode number 13, wow, Uh, 13, dude, how appropriate is this? We are days away from uh, a holiday called Halloween, Um, and uh, we're at episode 13, which, you know, some people believe that's like an unlucky number. So that's kind of cool, I guess. (laughs) So anyway, man, this is episode 13, and uh, I am just flying solo today, so it's just you and me. And, um, yeah, so Halloween is coming. I don't know if you, I know some of you probably have an aversion to Halloween. We did for years, my wife and I, um, we, uh, I was ordained in, uh, apostolic Pentecostal, uh, denomination and, and it was a very, um, um, It was a very legalistic. It was very stringent. There were lots of rules. And so I was raised, well, I wasn't raised, but I I, I got saved in that setting. I was ordained in that setting. And we didn't do Halloween. Halloween was no. Halloween was Satan's holiday. (laughs) Halloween was, ah, it was so, so bad. So we didn't do that, okay? And we continued that concept for a few years, well, for a long time, decades. And then um, a couple of years, three, four years ago, maybe, we started celebrating it. In fact, we we really actually have a good time. My wife and I, uh, we do costumes and uh, the whole thing, right? Um, yeah, we just have a blast with it. And, and we will have a blast with it this year as well. And uh, yeah, hey, if you're interested in seeing how we uh, dressed. Jump on uh, Instagram, uh, jump on Facebook, and uh, I'm sure there'll be tons of pictures there. All right, man, uh, before we jump into what I want to talk to you about today, I want to encourage you, as I always do, to go to Facebook, go to Instagram, go to Twitter, and follow. You know, I know it seems like uh, every episode, and if you listen to the prior 12 episodes, you will hear at the beginning of each one of uh, those episodes this dialogue, right? This diatribe. But um, actually, it does matter because potential future guests... We'll check out your Facebook page, they'll check out your Instagram and your and your Twitter to see how many people are interested in what you're doing. And so it takes seconds out of your day, especially if you've got a smartphone, which who doesn't have a smartphone anymore? But anyway, uh you jump on there and you like away. Okay? It's simple. So if you would do that, I am on Facebook. The Black Sheep Experience, Instagram, uh, The Black Sheep Experience and Craig Hostetler and Twitter, The Black Sheep EXP, right? And uh, so I'm on all three of those formats. So if you jump on there and uh, like those pages, man, I'd really appreciate it. Also, if you're a regular listener, let me know that, man, I really love to hear from you guys. It means a lot to me. All right, so three minutes and 48 seconds in. That's not too bad, right? Um, so a few weeks ago, I talked to you about the format of this program. There's a couple of ways to do podcasts. You can uh, do them very professionally, right, where you have all the great background music and all the nice transitions between Um And then there's another idea or concept of just being real. Like it's you and I having a conversation. Uh, I prefer the conversational format. And so that's what I am going to do. Very unscripted. If I need to reach for something... You will hear me reach for that thing. And yeah, so that's the way I like to do the podcast. But anyway, man, let's jump into, you know what? Let's title this uh, uh, the Halloween episode hyphen it ain't boo, right? Uh, Or it ain't boo hyphen Halloween episode. Uh, And I want to start by reading a uh, scripture. Okay. Just like when you're at church and the pastor does a, uh, a sermon starts out with a scripture. I'm going to start out with the scripture, man. Uh, first John four eighteen. there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear for fear has to do with torment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, um, a lot of people ask me what my favorite scripture is through the years and I've often said I don't have one. If I did, it would definitely be this one. Um, I I just like what the author has to say here. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment and whoever fear, I'm sorry, uh, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now there's a whole big thing uh, that we could address there and we'll maybe at some point we'll get into that. But that verse um, is an ocean of information and contemplation uh, and meditation. There's so much in 1 John 4.18 uh, to be gleaned I guess, assimilated into our spirit. I mean, it's just a huge passage. So, uh, in 1978, there was this iconic horror film, right? And it was a film called Halloween, right? Uh, It became this huge success with several sequels that followed. And the antithesis was Michael Myers, and he kind of wore this creepy white mask. Um, he, he he was fear-inducing all by himself, but then with coupled with uh, like this ominous piano music, it was just a scary flick, man. Um, and uh, around Halloween of nineteen seventy-nine, my cousin Mary Jo and Jamie, uh. They decided that I need to see this movie uh, i don 't remember uh, the peer pressure all that well, uh, but since they often pressured me into roller coaster rides and and uh, odd foods and all kinds of stuff i didn 't want to do i 'm sure there was peer pressure man that 's what i 'm saying to you okay so uh, i 've never been a huge horror movie fan. I like some of them. I think some of them are kind of fun um, but I sat there, riveted and afraid, for the entire 90 plus minutes of that film. I faked bravery because they were my cousins, right? But dude, I was scared to death, man. I, um, yeah, I, I I was really scared. And that night, I laid awake in bed, hearing every creak and every insignificant noise that uh, that a house naturally makes. And um, even though Michael, uh, the film's villain, wasn't real, I was seized with fear, right? It, it had crept into my mind. It kept me awake. It produced um, a, a vivid and chilling nightmare. Uh, it's funny because it's, it made such an impression that it's still uh, a very present memory. Now, it's a funny memory. Uh, today, but man back back in seventy nine I was scared dude um yeah that night i i today I laugh about it, but that night, uh, the fear I felt, you know, no matter how irrational it had a hold on me um, i I'm not a huge advocate of horror movies, I think some of them are really maybe even. Uh, maybe it's not a great thing to have spinning around in our minds. I know a few of them are kind of fun and all that. And so I'm not going to be like this weird, (laughs) I'm not going to have this weird thing about horror movies right now, but, um, I think the kind of scare, similar to like a loud boo from an unsuspecting friend, I think that stuff can be fun and entertaining. And we've all had a good laugh at scaring a friend or a family member. Just like that night, my my cousins were, I'm sure, just thought it was the funniest thing in the world that I was was afraid. But, you know, there is another fear uh, here in the midst of Halloween uh, that isn't really uh so cute right it it's the kind of scary that isn't at the boo level right um and it invades our hearts it invades our mind it keeps us awake at night it brings intense anxiety uh during the day it seizes us in so many um in so many ways it isn't simply scared it's a, it's like a genuine fear an uncertainty of what we don't know, or uh, or you know what could be, or all kinds of other possibilities, right? And and it robs us of of the joy of living. It's crippling. Uh, it's hell on earth. It's a sickness that uh, that seeks to destroy. And I think one of the hardest things that you and I will ever face and ultimately overcome is fear. It's such a crippling emotion, it's such a powerful sensation. Um, when out of control, it just creates this horrible prison. Um it it, it kind of reminds me of like a serpent that digs its fangs in deep, um, and its venom is this torturous poison, right? And it just slowly destroys life um and fear's the same way it destroys relationships and peace and joy and jobs and um calling or you know not really a huge believer in callings but 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 purpose right um ambition fear uh is the antithesis of will the freedom and power uh even that we find in god it's the nemesis of peace and it's an abusive tormentor that sometimes causes people to do things they wouldn't even normally do, like being jealous or being irrationally insecure. And it creeps beyond the boundaries of its borders. And it kind of becomes this, I I feel like that on the inside of us, it kind of becomes this internal terrorist that is just continually... Um, striking fear, the fear of destruction, right? The fear of pain, the fear of um, enslavement. Yeah, fear has been, you know, it's such a powerful thing. I think it's been the greatest tool of government, of uh, religion. It's been used by both really to control and manipulate and steal from the masses. So I, I believe, and what I'm saying to you is that fear is uh, often used, it's a very real emotion, right? Even if it has an unreal basis, we feel it, we sense it, we're controlled by it. And this tool is so powerful and so effective that governments have used it to rule the people. Religion has used it to rule the people. Um, It's used by employers, it's used by spouses, it's used by friends and parents. All sorts of entities, really. Because fear is incredibly persuasive. It's a manipulative emotion. Um, And it may be one of the most powerful emotions that we feel second only to love, but it's a darn close rival. Um, In 1 John, the, the verse we talked about, earlier, you know, the the author says that fear, which is this sick and torturous murderer, uh, fear has torment. You know, one of the things people often ask me is, uh, how do I get past being afraid? And I have heard throughout my years, oh man, so many preachers, so many well-meaning Christians speak about fear and how we can overcome and Uh, How we've not been given a spirit of fear and all those things. Um, And and while there's an element of truth to that, God is a destroyer of fear. Uh, When you're in the darkness, when you're captured by fear, you need more than an admonishment. Um, We need more than someone simply telling us how uh, wicked fear is or how we're overcomers, you know, and all that stuff. Um, because we already know how corrosive fear is. Uh, we already know all the reasons why I should not be afraid uh, and how I can't be afraid. But, but I think sadly many times the solution for fear is really just facing this snake head on. Um, so many times we try to muster this internal strength and face our darkness alone, face our fears alone. But many times, I, I think this simple duel of facing that which torments us, that's not necessarily the best solution. It's a brave step, for sure. It's a necessary step, for sure. But I don't know that it brings long-term uh, a victory. Um, others would say that you know, just accepting fear is a part of life. Uh, Is um, that it's part of reality? Is an answer for fear for the things that haunt us? But I don't think that that's the avenue we should take either. Um, L. Frank Baum, the author of um, the Wonderful Wizard of Oz, stated, "There is no living thing that is not afraid when it faces danger." The true courage is in facing danger when you're afraid. And so while courage is a noble trait, and the Bible discusses it many, many times, simply accepting fear as a tenant, right, as an as a adversary of the temple of God, that doesn't bring about courage in and of itself. Um, the answer to this trouble is, The answer to these fears is, um, take heart, I have overcome. The words of Jesus, right? This freedom from fear seems to be in the he who is greater is in me than he who is in the world concept that Paul the Apostle talks about. He's talking about God himself as the he who is in me. And when he says in me, he's talking about you and I. And he who, uh, is in us is greater than he who's in the world. He's talking about the enemy. He's talking about God within us and all the terrible devices and the plans that are in this world. And I know that a lot of times, especially in the, 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 the venue of which I speak, where we're talking about, uh, um, emergent concepts, a more intellectual approach to God, and I'm for all of those things, man. I think that we have butchered the Bible. I think that the church has butchered Christians and butchered this society. And man, I couldn't be any more vehement than I already am. But one of the things I've noticed that we do within this sector of the Christian continuum We have a tendency to discard the mysticism of Christianity, the God is in me stuff. And dude, honestly, man, I think that that's a very powerful statement. And I think that you and I need to realize that the Bible, uh, I don't know, man, I, I hate when people say the Bible because it's just such a blanket statement. Let's say individuals, people like the Apostle Paul, people like Jesus Christ, right? People like even in the Old Testament, people like the Psalmist, right? Psalm twenty three, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. Um uh, the psalmist says I will not be afraid, right? Not of any form of evil. Why? Because God is with me. And so I think and, and I think that you find this in first John four, right? Uh that we talked about earlier. The expulsion of fear is a result of the invasion of God, the presence of God who is within us, right? He who is in me is greater than he who's in the world. Why is the psalmist experiencing the absence of fear? Mm, He's in this fear inducing set of circumstances. It's not because he's not facing trials or tribulation. It's not because he's not facing circumstances that are frustrating and scary, right? Even when I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, this is the darkest of darks. The psalmist is trying to poetically phrase to you and, and myself, um, when I'm in the valley of the shadow, when death is overshadowing me. So he's trying to paint for us a picture of the most fear-inducing circumstance that he could find himself in. And he says, even then, I'm not going to be afraid. Um, And the sole reason for the absence of the psalmist's fear isn't because of the absence of fear. It's because of the God is with me. You know, of all the things that we believe, of all the things that we follow hard after, of all the commandments that we seek to keep, this idea of the always there, ever abiding, never leaving or forsaking power and presence and providence of God, I think, man, this needs to be a theology that we thoroughly enforce and live our lives around. This needs to be the continuum, the concept that we find brotherhood around. Dude, the basis of our fellowship, man, So many times on baptism, really? On predestination? What the hell, dude? Seriously? On um, speaking in tongues? On Dude, there's so many things that, that are the criteria for fellowship. And it's all just crap, man. It's all just weird theology. It's all just ideas that people came up with that they deduced from a variety of scriptures that they mash together like some uh, 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 do. And dude, it's just, oh man, it's so many years uh, I spent searching for the presence of God as explained and defined by a million different preachers, most of whom had uh, millions of differing definitions of what God's presence was and how to get into the presence uh, sadly, most of those definitions, most of those sermons, most of, most of those methods, they were a sales pitch. They were lies. Um, they were maybe even straight-up heresy. And dude, if I say it's heresy... <laughs> man that's a bad deal when i'm called, when i'm saying something is heresy oh man you better step back um salvation if it's anything uh it's the presence of god irrefutable is that truth Whomever accepts Jesus as their Lord uh, is overflowing with the presence of God. This presence of God doesn't fluctuate like some sort of gas tank that runs on full and uh, half a tank and empty it doesn't change based on a song doesn't change based on unity or human surrender or divine appointment it's not conditioned by the preacher of the pulpit the prophet on the stage some cryptic poorly defined theology a worship team uh it is based in the finished work of christ And that brings us to a place of overflowing, unchangeable, unending, unaltering, overabounding, always present, saturated with uh, the presence of God. I really believe that, man. You know, as I sit here tonight in the underground, um, which uh, I've explained to you many times before, it's really just like a corner of the basement right but it's my corner there's albums on the wall and uh, and I I like uh, well there's certain pieces of artwork and things like that um, and so I'm down here just you and I and I'm reminded of several verses that I've committed to my memory 1 John 4.12 uh, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. Or First Corinthians three sixteen, do you not know that you are the temple of God, and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Interesting that that verse is phrased as a question. Um, John fourteen and twenty three. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. First um, John 4 and 4. I believe inspired by words just like this says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. You know, in the past decades of my Christian experience, I've seen and heard so much garbage on getting into the presence of God. I've seen... Uh, so many traveled to distant destinations, distant revivals where God's spirit was, oh uh, well, let's see, what's the right word? Falling, right? I've seen the idolization of men and ministries, worship teams. Um, all these have some strange, interesting anointing in some greater portion than the rest of us this presence, uh, this anointing becomes this weird cryptic game of conditions that are never really clearly defined, uh, that are ever-changing, that are based solely on individualized ideas. Uh, And all of those, I think, detract from the love of God. they All of those things, man, they absolutely detract and spit in the face of what Jesus did on the cross. Absolutely. They're dressed up. They're pretty. But they're still garbage. Isn't Jesus enough? And man, that's a question you really got to answer for yourself. Is Jesus enough? Is what he did on the cross enough? Is his blood enough? Enough to make us whole? Enough to make us... Uh, uh, live without fear, is it enough? Now, I realize that um, it being enough doesn't necessarily make us absolutely perfect the moment that we realize it. There's an evolution of our faith that has to occur. But I guess what I'm really speaking to is so many of you that have been wound up in books and pastors and churches and seeking after Odd manifestations of God. Um, Isn't Jesus enough to grant us the continued presence of God? The the power, the promises, the blessings. Are they conditioned on our ability uh, or His? You know, it's interesting because... um, how many of us have spent our time focusing on our trouble, focusing on whatever we're going through, the pain, the upset that we're experiencing instead of the power that might be present in us already. Guys, I'd like for you to take a moment, no matter what facet What step, what portion of the spiritual evolution that you're in, I'd like for you to take a moment to recognize the already resident power within. Um, There's one mystic that talked about standing within my own power feeling the resonance of my own power, feeling the resonance of the divine that is in me, feeling the, res- the uh, resonance of the Holy Spirit that is within me and surrounds me and overflows. And, and this, again, begins to seep into some of those mystical aspects of the Christian faith that get overshadowed by systematic theology and big words and all kinds of other junk. It seems just like the psalmist said the remedy for fear is not necessarily the presence of God because I think the presence of God is already there. I think it's the acceptance of that presence. Man, if I were to be honest with you, I would have to tell you that There have been enough disappointments in my life that I have deemed God and His presence really just as garbage, you know, as junk, something that doesn't exist, some kind of weird facade game that I'm playing. And that's certainly one portion of, uh, of my being. But still deep within me, right? Deep within the most my innermost being, there's a part of me that's, that absolutely believes. There's a part of me that knows uh, the presence of God is with me already. And it is my failure to accept that. And I don't mean accept that in some weird spiritual way. I mean accept that in a very mental way, where it becomes a part of my thought process, and begin to define exactly what that means. See, for some of us, I think we define that as meaning uh, I walk in some weird, some weird kind of way uh, where I don't have any problems, and I, I don't think that, I don't think that any writer or author of the Bible ever gives any kind of inference that we're to walk through this world unencumbered. I don't think we see that. Uh, I do think, however, when the Apostle Paul talks about, you know, um, being pressed on every side but not crushed, I think that's what he's talking about. I think that he's saying that, you know, I I face these trials, I face these troubles, I face these circumstances that are unnerving, that are fear-inducing. but there's something within me that produces a power that enables me to withstand these storms. There's something within me that produces a vibrational resonance that gives me courage, that gives me hope, that guides my steps. Mm. You know, the love of God I, I just believe that is the answer. His inexhaustibleness of it all is the answer. The knowing that he is with us always to the very end of the age that's here, that's right now, um, that's tomorrow, the next day, um, when we're able to accept that presence, mean, I think there's something to this. When we're able to verbally consent and mentally affirm, God is with me. And not because of some weird meeting I went to or some stupid book. Dude, there were so many books I've read through the past Man, I want to name titles, but I won't. Just absolute junk, man. And they only furthered the idea that God and his presence were some wonderful, powerful thing and yet so elusive. And I think for a lot of us, that mindset has been kind of hammered in. There's a... um, there's a there's a scripture in the book of Hebrews chapter 10, and I can't tell you exactly the verse. It's 17, 18, maybe 19, 20, 21, something like that. It's in chapter 10, and the writer of the book of Hebrews says, um, "My brothers and sisters, my brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter into the most holy place by the blood of Jesus." Um, by a new and living way that is opened up for us through the curtain, which is the body of Jesus. Since we have this great high priest over the house of God, and then he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. And, uh, and I think some, some verses will say full of confidence. Others will say full of assurance. Others will say full of certainty that comes by faith um and so the 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 writer is saying let us approach god with this incredible confidence and this certainty that in the most holy place right the most sacred place we're welcome and even more than that we belong um I think the pursuit of truth is a beautiful endeavor. Um, It's a beautiful mission. And I think that on some level, we're all called to do that. Although, as you know, if you've read or uh, I'm sorry, if you have uh, listened to past podcasts, I think it's a pursuable ambition. Uh, I don't think it's an attainable one. Okay, so I don't think full knowledge is an attainable Ambition. I think it's an admirable ambition, not attainable. What I do think is potentially attainable, certainly uh, uh, pursuable, is coming into a greater awareness of how much God loves us. Coming to a place of accepting mentally, emotionally, that God loves us, breaking down all these barriers that have been built up about the separation that exists between us and God, the disdain God has for us, the, uh, 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 I don't know, separating the sheep from the goats diatribe. Um... I think once we get to that place, uh, once we understand how deep and how great and how wide and how vast the love of God is for us, fear begins to be cast out. Now, look, I don't want to paint this weird picture where once we arrive to this nirvana-like state, it's funny because every religion has this nirvana-like state status that seems to be this continually moving target, and so I'm not trying to paint that picture you're never going to be completely free of fear you're never going to be completely free of uh, failure you're never going to be completely free of of a, a whole bunch of things right there's always going to be Man, we're always, I think Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Dude, has there been a more a, a truthful saying from the Bible? In this world, you will have trouble. I think we'd be good to accept that verse. You know, if you want to get a verse tattooed on your arm, dude, that's the one. And that way, whenever junk comes up, whenever crap comes up, you can look at your arm and go, in this, Jesus said in this world, we will, oh, that's right. We're going to have trouble, right? So in this world, you will have trouble. We're always going to have that. Um, a nirvana type state of any religion is uh, unattainable. Not, absolutely not going to happen. Oh no, I wrote a story about this sage who lived in the mountains. Dude, the only reason he got anywhere is because he separated himself from society, and uh, and there's unhealthy things about that. So face the facts. We're always going to have some kind of fear. We're always going to have some kind of worry, some kind of weird anxiety. It may be well-founded. It may be absolutely ridiculous. We're going to have it. We're going to have failures. We're going to have times where we blow it. We're going to have times where Dude, you just look at yourself and think, what is wrong with you, man? Why do you think that? Or why did you say that? Or whatever. It doesn't, in my mind, change whether or not God is present. He's absolutely present. I'm with you. To the very end of the age, with me, how with me partially, with me, sort of with me, kinda, in greater degrees, if the song is just right, in greater degrees, if the <laughs> if the preacher's really anointed, I can't believe I lived years of my life thinking that certain people were so anointed. Dude, that is like the worst theology in the world. How in the world does that pass? And these guys just make all kinds of money, right? We're just giving all kinds of money to these guys. Well, not we, I'm not, but many of you. You're giving all kinds of money to these guys because supposedly they got some special anointing on their life. Oh my god, it's just ridiculous, dude. And the problem with that is is that it it, it creates the Tears of anointing. It creates tears of favoritism in the kingdom of God. Tears of uh, um, presence, right? And so these guys are up here. These women are up here. And then we're way down here. What a ridiculous thing, man. Sorry, dude. I coughed. Um. Coming to a place of of saying, you know what, God is with me. Period, dude. He's he's as much with me as he is with you, and in every circumstance, in every situation, though I may not see his hand at work in that moment, I know he's here. I know that he's with me. Um. Paul Young, the author of the Shack, um. There's a line from that book. And I've got it written next to me here. Let me grab that. Okay. So many believe that it is love that grows. But it is the knowing that grows. And love simply expands to contain it. So many believe that it is love that grows, but it is the knowing, right? The knowing of love, the understanding of it, the acceptance of it. It's the knowing that grows and love simply doesn't grow. It just expands to contain the knowing. See, to whatever degree we know we're loved, That's as much love as we can accept at that moment. So there's all this love from God. And our realization, our experience of it, our acceptance of it, is only as large as the opening, right? Um... My good friend says, the portal. (laughs) Um, We get as much love as we are able to accept when it comes to God. And I think that's something worth considering. I think that's something worth thinking about. So that's it, man. That's all I got to say. I could go on, but at some point I'm going to be just repeating myself, babbling, and uh so I'm gonna stop here, man, Happy Halloween, dude, enjoy your life, go at, go dress up as something, have fun, hand out candy to the kids, whatever it is that that you love to do or think is a blast, do that thing, enjoy your life, jump on Instagram, jump on Twitter, jump on Facebook like the black sheep experience share the episodes on your uh, social media stuff it's a huge deal and i really appreciate it let me say this to you man you have been hanging if you've listened to this whole way thing or if you've listened to this thing the whole way through um even if it's been in segments 15 minutes here 15 minutes there 20 minutes there or if you listened to the whole thing at one time you and i have been hanging out now for 45 minutes And I have to tell you, uh, thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me, man. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful rest of your week. God bless you. Done.